Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about things that aren't very funny. Are you excited? I'm excited. You like things that are not funny. I mean, that's kind what? of your thing, isn't it? What What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. It's the exact the death opposite. Death and sadness? No. Like, what? No, well, I, I think it's actually very funny to see people trying to be funny who are not funny. It's it's a lot funnier in hindsight, perhaps, than it is at the moment it's happening. The thing that's inspired this, of course, is Senator... Amy Schumer. Oh. What did Amy Schumer do? Oh, I just don't think she's funny. Oh, okay. Sorry for any Amy Schumer fans out there. That's all right. Well, I don't know if Mike Lee is an Amy Schumer fan, but Senator Mike Lee of Utah decided he was going to be funny. He decided he was going to, going to go down to the floor of the Senate and do a stand-up comedy routine. I saw that. And were you impressed? Were you laughing? Ha ha, so funny. No, the secondhand embarrassment was really bad. It was pretty painful to watch. It was it was the smugness of it all. Right. That really got to me. Right. It just, I don't know. It just, ugh. It well, was being re- very condescending. Yeah. and so just Describe what it, it was for people that don't know. Oh, well, for people who don't know, I don't know if there's anybody who doesn't know. I'm I know, sure there are pe- there's people that well, Mike don't Lee, be so condescending. Mike Lee was trying to make fun of the Green New Deal, which I have been very critical of on this podcast. I don't think quite as obnoxiously as Mike Lee was. But. Also, there's very different audiences for someone on the floor of the Senate to do that. Like in the face of the people who have made it or we're going to vote for it no that's absolutely true and and the floor of the senate is a terrible place to do stand-up comedy the acoustics are terrible (laughs) acoustics are fine but there's no audience there's nobody there you're not getting any kind of response and it's impossible to do stand-up comedy when you're just standing there on an empty floor the only person listening to you is the guy sitting in the president's chair and your mom in the background with thumbs up you're doing great sweetie you're doing great you're doing great Well, so Mike Lee, for those of you who didn't see it, decided to make fun of the Green New Deal by going down. And I'm not quite sure what points he was making, but he had a picture of Ronald Reagan riding on a velociraptor shooting a machine gun. I'm not quite sure what that was supposed to mean. But when he started talking about how air travel was going to be banned, so we would have to use tauntauns, you know, from Star Wars. Which ones are those? They're the ones that 
Han Solo had to cut open to put Luke Skywalker in when he was oh, freezing. Oh, on Hoth. On Hoth, yeah. yes. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. That's the famous Han Solo line. Yeah. And to get to Hawaii, he put up a picture of of Aquaman on a seahorse and figured we'd all be riding giant seahorses. Ha, 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 ha. Isn't all this funny? So he was just like saying... The Green New Deal is as absurd as these absurd things, kind of. Yeah, I think that was the point. But the delivery was such, it, it just doesn't work. I, I remember when my father was in the Senate, and he used to talk about Alphonse D'Amato, who was the senator from New York. He was replaced by Chuck Schumer, who's the current minority leader. But Alphonse D'Amato was a Republican, and he got up and he... St- I feel like with the name... Like that, you need to have your own line of pasta sauce. You know what he did? What? I'm not kidding. Wait, that's wait. Are you being serious? I am being totally serious. That's crazy. Well, I think he he sold his mother's pasta sauce. I have to look this up, but I am like 90 percent sure I was going to mention that. Just the way your mother made it. That that's, was the worst. <laughs> cut that out. What was that? Was that an Italian accent? <laughs> I don't know. That's that was. You have the, to cut it out. Uh, just the way your mother made it. How's that? That was a Marlon Brando. Yeah. Are you impressed. Yeah. Well, he got on the floor of the Senate with a stuffed dinosaur, and he called it the Spendosaurus. And he got out a pen, and he started poking the dinosaur, and he said, Slay the Spendosaurus! Slay the Spendosaurus! What? Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't work. Comedy does not work on the floor of the Senate. It's not funny. What was funny was when Stephen Colbert decided to give Mike Lee the Mike Lee treatment, and he's doing it in front of a crowded audience in the Ed Sullivan Theater. That's funny stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. And he he's quoting AOC saying, if this guy can be a senator, you can do anything. And he said, ooh, the sea levels need to keep rising to help Mike Lee treat that burn. That's, That's kind pretty of- funny. I don't watch Stephen Colbert that much. I like John Oliver, though. Uh, John Oliver's pretty good. I'm betting John Oliver's probably going to come out with something about this. But I, I just look at this, and I, I think Mike Lee... It's just stunning to me. First of all, do you think that he would have done exactly the same thing if the person proposing the Green New Deal was a middle-aged man? No, definitely not. I mean, doesn't that change the dynamic of Mike Lee's mockery of AOC? Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people, she's become, definitely her ideas are out there, but... I don't think she would be receiving half the criticism that she is now if she wasn't this young like woman, new member of well, the house. No, I think that's true too, except I don't think she'd be receiving the attention she's receiving now if she were a middle-aged that. man. Mm, I don't... I mean, the, 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 she I, wouldn't be the person she is. Like, that doesn't... Like, half right, her, it's I, impossible. Half her identity is, in her politics is, I'm a young... Uh, minority woman. Well, and it's I, I think it's a very appealing identity. I mean, sure, to have somebody yeah, with young who, it's who's just attractive, so, it's just who's so different than energetic. what we're used to. Right. And, but so but Mike Lee's condescension. I don't think I even know what Mike Lee looks like, honestly. Like he know, he could be in a lineup and I wouldn't know Like I've seen pictures of him, but I I wouldn't remember his face. He's just an old white guy. He's not old. He's younger than I am. I mean, he's a very young, 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 young white guy. <laughs> he's he's two years younger than I am. I remember because I, I've actually debated with Mike Lee when I was a surrogate for my father. Right. Dad, Dad yeah. was in the Senate. And Mike Lee would crack jokes in some of the debates because I would needle him for being a lawyer. And he'd say, you know, we shouldn't judge all lawyers just by uh, a few thousand bad apples. Ha, ha, ha. Get it? Because there are a lot of bad lawyers. 
Yeah. Is no, that, I, I got it. I, I, chose, supposed to, I chose not to laugh. You chose not to laugh. I mean, Mike Lee has tried to be funny before. Which is I, fine. It's good to not be serious all the time, but there's a time and a place for ridicule like that. Right. And I really do think the dynamic between a middle-aged man and a young woman uh, makes the the mockery and the viciousness of the attack. I mean, he showed absolutely no respect for AOC, for her intelligence, for her office. It was just so smug and condescending that it really came off badly. I think that if anybody was a Mike Lee fan who was looking at it, I don't think there was anybody sitting in the stands going, rah, rah, this is the greatest thing ever. I don't know. His Maybe. mom. Maybe. I'm not sure if his mom's still around. I know his dad isn't. His dad passed away oh, yeah. many years we, back. BYU always does a Rex Lee run. Is that right. his dad? That Rex Lee is his dad. Yeah, he died of cancer. He did. Yeah, the Rex Lee run is always for cancer research. It's, well, it's always stunning to me when Mike Lee uh, gets up and starts talking about the Constitution. <clears throat> because Rex Lee was a constitutional scholar, a brilliant constitutional scholar. And he gave a talk at BYU called The Constitution and the Restoration. And my father used to quote Rex Lee on the campaign trail. What, what even is there to do with what? With the Constitution and the yeah. Restoration? What? Well, we'll get into that when we get back from our break. Okay. It's good stuff. The Constitution and the Restoration. So we're talking about the restoration of the gospel in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mike Lee represents a strain of political thought in Utah that is heavily tinged with Latter-day Saint ideas, with okay. religious ideas. Okay. We've talked about this a little bit. We talked about the Constitution hanging by a thread. Do you remember this? Yeah, I don't know why that's always the imagery that they choose. The, th- the thread of, I don't know. The thread of what? Yeah, like what? It's not made of fabric. <laughs> well, no. I well, you're right. It isn't. Uh, that well, it's a secondhand quote, actually thirdhand quote. Brigham Young claims to have heard Joseph Smith say that someday the Constitution will hang by a thread, and the elders of Israel will be called upon to save it. Except for we don't have any firsthand account of Joseph Smith saying that. And then we have like second, third, fourth hand accounts of Brigham Young saying it. We have a lot of interesting Brigham Young quotes that we choose not to model our lives after. That's probably true. I found out this week, actually, that Brigham Young tried to grow tobacco in St. George. It didn't work? It didn't work. Well, Brigham Young thought that Southern Utah, the reason why Southern Utah is referred to as Utah's Dixie, is he was essentially thinking it was like the South. He tried to grow cotton. What? And you can't grow cotton in St. George. It's arid. It's red rock everywhere it's hot you know the south in where they do grow cotton is also hot but it's also humid and saint george is one of the most arid climates you're going to find it's not a great place to grow tobacco and it's not a great place to go cotton so cacti so it's okay for that's uh, about it yeah a lot of cactuses in saint george cacti cacti but anyway we're kind of getting off the subject here uh, this idea that the Constitution is going to be hanging by a thread gives a certain group of people in the Republican Party in Utah this idea that they have a messianic mission to save the world. And Mike Lee pandered to that idea very much when he was campaigning. 
and he would he would quote Latter Day Saint scripture to he would talk about there's a scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants uh, that says that the Lord raised up wise men unto this very purpose to create the Constitution. And in every stump speech, Mike Lee would always end by saying, the Constitution is wonderful, uh, written by wise men who were raised up unto this very purpose. And it was very much sort of a dog whistle to the Constitution hanging by a thread types that Mike Lee was their guy. And so Mike Lee would wave a pocket copy of the Constitution everywhere in everybody's face as if the Constitution magically could solve all of our problems. And I, I don't that's funny to me because we've changed the Constitution a lot of times. Yes, we have. And Mike a lot Lee, of times. And Mike Lee's not happy with them. Mike Lee campaigned against the Fourteenth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment that made slaves citizens. Yeah, I also liked women getting able being allowed to vote. I'm a big fan of that one. That's a good one, 19th Amendment, although I haven't heard Mike Lee come out against that one. One of the ones he's come out against very strongly is the 17th Amendment. Are you familiar with that? Prohibition? That is not Prohibition. That is the direct election of senators. Which one's Prohibition? Uh, I wish you hadn't asked me that because 19th Amendment was 1920. So I think it's the 20th and 21st Amendments. Yeah, I I think you're right. So, but the 17th Amendment, it's very interesting because the 17th Amendment, it used to be that state legislators picked senators. It was the 21st. And 22nd Amendment? Repealed prohibition. Oh, so so the 20th Amendment, because I know the 19th Amendment. The 18th Amendment prohibited the manufacturing, transportation, and sale of alcohol. Oh, really? So So they passed women's suffrage while prohibition was in effect. I guess so. I did not realize that. The reason I know it's the 19th so Amendment... So that means that women couldn't celebrate being allowed to vote by going out to the bars by after. going to the bars. Bummer. But you know the reason why I know the 19th Amendment is women's suffrage? Why? S- Schoolhouse Rock. Okay. The 19th Amendment struck down that restricted rule. Okay. Oh, yeah! You excited? Mm, yep. Did you watch Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah, I don't remember that one, though. Oh, you... Suffering until suffrage. You have to go back and watch it. It's okay. awesome. Okay, leave me alone. Awesome. I'll do it. Sheesh. Okay, sorry about that. All right. So um, the 17th Amendment, it used to be that when um, that members of the House of, of Representatives were elected by direct election of the populace, mm-hmm. but senators were elected by state legislatures. Right. It was part of the grand compromise. You know, the House represents population, but the Senate represents the states. Right, and so the right, state. Right, right, right. The problem with that is that state legislatures are much easier to bribe than the general electorate of a state. And people were essentially buying themselves Senate seats through bribing state legislatures Hmm. and getting elected. And so the the 17th Amendment was designed as an um, anti-corruption measure. And I think we're much better off because of it. Uh, But here you have Mike Lee campaigning against the 14th Amendment because he thinks that if we can get rid of the 14th Amendment, then we can stop giving birthright citizenship to all these terrible people that come across our border and have children. What is that? How do those relate at all? It's a long history of jurisprudence that goes back to that. Okay. But the idea that someone is willing... so, So Mike Lee keeps talking about the Constitution as being some kind of magical talisman that has all the answers and he's pandering to Mormon voters and saying it's it's a divinely inspired document akin to scripture. 
And what he didn't realize is that his father, Rex Lee, gave a talk when he was president of of Brigham Young University. And the talk was called The Constitution and the Restoration. And if you read The Constitution and the Restoration, it reads like a primer on why you shouldn't vote for Mike Lee. He comes out against all of the things. He talks about, he says, you know, the Latter-day Saints who believe that the Constitution is divinely inspired akin to Scripture. They, they, they have to account for the three-fifths compromise and the things that are in the Constitution. Yeah, that's a pretty big blight on, although some Scripture does have similar ideas. So well, I, I, don't, <laughs> don't. I, don't want to, I don't want to get into scriptural commentary here necessarily. But the idea that the Constitution is this sort of infallible, uh, perfect document inspired from heaven, the three-fifths I think, compromise I think it was proves clear, that's not the I case. I think it was clear when the Constitution was written that they, the, peop, the writers of it were aware that they were human and that it wasn't going to be perfect. Right. Like the whole Bill of Rights. Like we, they knew that it wasn't, it wasn't done being written. It was going to change. Well, during all these debates on the Constitution during my father's final campaign, he was asked the question, what is the best part of the Constitution? And he said exactly what you're saying. He said the best part about the Constitution is that it gives a mechanism to change it, that it recognizes that it's imperfect and that it allows for an amendment process in order to improve it. And in Rex Lee's talk about the Constitution and the Restoration, he highlights the 14th Amendment as being one of the greatest improvements in it. And he highlights the 17th Amendment. Mike Lee was campaigning all over the place about how terrible it was that we now have the direct election of senators. And here's Rex Lee, his father, saying that's one of the greatest features of the Constitution is that we amended it to allow for the direct election of senators. That's interesting. So... I, I recommend this to anybody, and I know my father did, and Mike Lee would say things on the campaign trail like, well, my father wasn't always right, but let's not speak ill of the dead. That's just a lovely sentiment to be able to share, isn't it? So, I guess. Well, Mike Lee is... It's getting personal. I, well, <laughs> you got to chill out. I, I, well, I'm trying not to be personal, and I know that when I started campaigning for Sam Granado, who was the Democrat running against Mike Lee... Everybody said it was personal, and everybody said, oh, geez, Jim Bennett's just sour grapes, and he can't stand the fact that Mike Lee beat his father. I have no personal animus toward Mike Lee whatsoever. I don't know him very well. I've met him a few times, but I don't really know him. And by all accounts, as far as I know, he's a decent human being who's kind to his wife and his children, and I don't have any desire to attack him personally. But I think politically, he appeals, I think, to a sort of voter that... And he does so deliberately. He appeals to people and tries to give these kind of religious well, intimations what, that are see, not helpful. Did you see the, a real quote from this, um, him being on the Senate floor? He said, the solution to climate change is not this unserious resolution. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Right. Which seems like, which is very, you know, kind of appealing to the Mormon populace here, you know, but that's the ultimate, like, uh, leave the problem for someone else down the road to deal with. Right. You know, like why do your grandkids have to clean up the oceans and stuff? Why can't we start it now? <laughs> well, and he talked that's about that. That's not fair. Well, we're going to get into the, to the, uh, have more kids model for solving all of our problems when we get back from our break. So that's why we had you, Abby. 
So then why do you have the rest of your dumb kids? Why didn't you stop with me? What could, I could have been an only child. It could have been amazing. Well, would you have cleaned up the oceans for us? We need we need if the other four maybe, kids to help you clean them up. Maybe because I would have had more resources to like become a better ocean cleaner. So the fact that you have four siblings means yes, that I could have. I you really clipped my wings there. Oh, I feel bad. Just kidding. I love my siblings. Yeah, that's good. I I love your siblings too. And Mike Lee has, you know, people are making fun of this, and I think rightfully so. At the same time, I I do think that that the idea of having children and being able to pass on values and being able to, you know, yeah, raise a family is, is a productive, you positive thing. You can't have children if the earth is dying, and there's and like you can't. That that doesn't make any sense. Don't you want to leave? The whole the whole idea whenever you like go camping and stuff with Boy Scouts and they're like leave it better than you found it. Right. Why don't why doesn't that apply to the literal place that your kids and grandkids and their kids are gonna live? You know. That's a good why, point. Why wouldn't you want to leave the earth better for the people that are going to inherit it after you? Well, Mike Lee seems to think that if we just have the kids, they're going to make it better just by their very existence. And then the same people that say that are the same ones that make fun of kids for. You know, that are like, oh, dumb millennials or dumb Gen Zers always on their phones. So you think that those dumb kids are the ones that are going to save the world? I like make up your mind. Are they dumb or are they going to clean up the world? Well, uh, ask AOC. She's young enough to be my daughter. No, she's not. She's 29. I'm 50. I would have had to have her fairly young. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Oh my gosh. You're doing some math here? Yeah. Did I not teach you good enough math 20, skills? So 21. Oh, that's weird. What the heck? Is that bizarre? Yeah. She's young enough. Well, Mike Lee at 48, he would have had to have been what? This is 19. embarrassing. Because <laughs> we don't know our math very well. No. So, I mean, you you look at the whole dynamic out there and, and you see all of these people doing things. And one of the things I wanted to focus on today was the idea of people who do things that are not very funny that they think are funny. And I, this is kind of an awkward segue, but it made me think somewhat about Joe Biden and the kind yeah. of problems Joe Biden is facing <laughs> at the moment. That was a horrible segue. Why is that a horrible because segue? Because the things that you're going to talk about with Joe Biden doing, he wasn't trying to be funny. No, but the issue is his intent as opposed, almost as much as what he actually did. Okay. So you're familiar with the story that's come out about... He, he was just kind of inappropriate with... R- Right. Um, I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name either. She was the she was the candidate for lieutenant governor in Nevada. Lucy Flores, maybe. Yes, that sounds right. Flores sounds like the right surname. I'm not sure what her first name was, but she wrote an article where she talked. Yeah, Lucy Flores. I'm so smart. You yeah. are so smart. I am so smart. S M R T. Good thing I'm inheriting the earth. This is good. From you dummies. I know. I feel bad, but not bad enough to you know. I don't know. Don't have an answer. Every time you use a plastic straw, think of your future grandkids crying. I suppose that's a good idea. Well, Lucy Flores was running for uh, lieutenant governor of Nevada, and Joe Biden came out at the event. And according to her, Joe Biden started rubbing her shoulders backstage, and then he took this big sniff and whiffed her hair that she said she hadn't washed and she was embarrassed by. <laughs> And then he leaned in and gave her a big, slow kiss on the back of her head. 
And if you actually look at pictures of the event, there's one picture that's all over the place that shows Joe Biden. Eva Longoria was there. And Joe Biden is burying his nose in Eva Longoria's hair. (laughs) And it's really disturbing. And, you know, this is something that has come up with Joe Biden over and over and over again throughout his career. And they, they keep calling him Uncle Joe or Creepy Uncle Joe. Because, this has come out. I've never heard of this before, though. Oh, well, yeah. If, if Google creep Kellyanne I'm not, Conway. I'm asked not going to gonna Google creepy Uncle Joe. I'm not going to Google that. Creepy, creep, creepy Uncle Joe Biden. And you just get all these videos of Joe Biden at events where he's standing there and he's just got his hands on women's shoulders, including young girls. You know, he's always just very handsy in how he's dealing with women. And Joe Biden has issued a statement where he doesn't deny any of this. He just says, it's never, he says, I've never intentionally been inappropriate. And if people felt uncomfortable and people felt like what I was doing was inappropriate, uh, certainly that was not my intention. Does that carry any weight with you? I mean, it's. I don't, like, I don't know. We've, it's hard to say in this era of, when Donald Trump is our president. Because right. compared to that, this is the tamest of the tame. So. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't deny- know. We're never going to find. I don't want to. De- like, I don't want to defend him for being creepy and stuff. But I don't know where we draw the line at. I don't know. Condemning well, people for things that they've done in the past. Well, you look at the two presidents prior to Donald Trump. Barack Obama and George W. Bush. Yeah. And however, whatever you think about their politics, I know of absolutely no stories about either one of those men. I feel like I've heard some from George W. Bush. I've heard some from George H.W. Bush that are long, long, long after the fact. And most of them are when he was in his 90s and was kind of losing his faculties. You know, that's when he started grabbing people from behind. I'm sure there are stories, but they're just not as... Well... I don't know. It's also a different time with the internet that anyone can... um, be like this is what happened i don't know maybe it did happen and people just didn't have the avenue to talk about it then well the joe biden stories aren't that he is sexually assaulting people so much as that even in public i mean you see videos of him in public like that picture of him with eva longoria that i mean that's everybody can look at that and go that's kind of weird to see a 78 year old man digging his nose into the hair of a young woman that's such a i don't know that's such a powerful dude thing to do kind of though it reminds me of um like john travolta i think he did it at some, at some awards show it was the same one that he pronounced um adele dazim adele dazim when he was talking was, about and, yeah and he was just being creepy and like He's, he grabbed her face i remember that yeah he grabbed her face and i don't know held that's, it just, close that's and, just some that's just like they're just some, a, a guy that thinks he's more charismatic than he actually is kind of he doesn't realize how uncomfortable he makes people around him well, and I don't know if it's just the way I was brought up, but the idea of doing that to some woman I barely know freaks me out. I mean, do I wouldn't want, have... Do you, want, do you want an award? Yeah, I do. I want an award. But I don't... Congrats. You're adequate. No, but, well, I see, that's the thing. I, I don't think that that's anything that deserves an award. I think the vast majority of men would feel very uncomfortable walking up to somebody they don't know and then starting rubbing on her, rubbing their shoulders and sniffing their hair. I, I mean, isn't know. that a weird you'd, thing you'd to do? You'd be surprised. Has that ever happened to you? Has, yeah, has, I, I definitely have gotten like the shoulder rub from, from people before. The people you don't know? Um, In professional settings? I don't think, from, no, 
Not in, I don't know. I, ha- I haven't really been in that many professional settings. I, I mean, my guess is you've probably, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anything that would make you uncomfortable. But, you know, there, there's a difference between trying to flirt and, and, you know, trying to figure out what's socially acceptable in, in that kind of a situation. And just a professional setting where all of a sudden it's, hey, I'm a man, she's a woman. I'm going to start rubbing her shoulders and sniffing her hair. That just doesn't strike me as something that is ever appropriate. And I would think that most people would realize that it's not appropriate. Am I wrong? No, but again, our president's done way worse. So it's, well, I don't know where do we draw, I don't know. That's a good question. It's, just well, kind, of, it's kind of hypocritical on both sides. Let's talk about the hypocrisy a little bit when we get back from our break. So you are correct that the president of the United States has done way worse than Joe Biden. I would agree with you. Um, what it's does, not really a bad matter of debate. It, I don't <laughs> think it is a matter of debate. Although, well, oh boy, no. And although sounds like I'm going to I'm going to debate it, and I'm not. What I am going to say is that Donald Trump. I haven't seen video of him in public settings like Joe Biden just deciding, hey, it's time to dig my nose into somebody's what? hair. What? I'm sure there's videos like that. They they talk about how at the backstage of Miss um, USA and stuff, and he would he would go and comment. Like he, there's definitely no. Videos. There's no. What I'm saying is is it's a different thing, and it's a it's a way worse thing. Donald Trump does what he does. Oh, with an intent. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, his not, intent is- it's not just intent. I think it's actually, I mean, Donald Trump in his bragging Access Hollywood tape talks about grabbing women yeah. and doing terrible things, but he doesn't do those in public as saying, oh, this is just normal and natural. I'm up on a stage in front of thousands of people. I'm going to dig my nose into somebody's hair. I have not heard stories of Joe Biden backstage doing the kinds of things that Donald Trump has admitted to doing. And so I think there is a difference in substance and a difference in intent in terms of what they're doing. But the the idea that, okay, well, there's a hypocrisy here, and I don't deny that there is a hypocrisy by saying, okay, we're going to hold Joe Biden accountable for something when Donald Trump has done way worse, except for I don't know what that gets us. I don't know how that's helpful to make that comparison. Are we supposed to say, okay, well, that justifies what Joe Biden is doing? Joe Biden can go ahead and continue to make women uncomfortable in public settings? Well, no. I don't know. I don't know where to... I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't know if anybody knows. Uh, And see, and this is the thing. I don't think Mike Lee has ever done anything like that. I think the solution is we all just need to have more kids. We all just need to have more kids. Um, You know... I, I and I, I want to I don't I don't want to end this having just slammed Joe Biden so much without commenting on how much my father and your grandfather respected and liked Joe Biden. They were very he, good friends. I also I don't know he's also been through a, like a lot in his life. He has the loss of his wife so young, and then Bo Biden dying later. I don't know. Right, Bo Biden's death was the reason he didn't run for president in 2016. Yeah, I think if he had run in 2016, he may very well have won. Yeah, and I would much prefer a President Joe Biden to a President Donald Trump. Yeah, there's no question about that, at least in my mind. But Joe Biden is a is a religious Catholic. And my father was a faithful Latter-day Saint, and they used to trade religious books on the Senate floor. And 
Lots of weird stuff going on on the Senate floor, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Joe Biden used to call Dad Bishop. He'd say, how are you, Bishop? And he called my mother after Dad died, and they had a very nice long conversation that my mother found to be very comforting and very helpful. So I, I, I don't want to um, exaggerate the sins of Joe Biden. I don't think that makes anything that he does that makes women uncomfortable appropriate. But you are absolutely right that what Donald Trump has done and what Donald Trump has created a climate where it's acceptable to have a porn star mistress and call her horse face on Twitter. You know, that's, that's I think, so far beyond anything Joe Biden has even been accused of doing. So far beyond mo- what most people have ever done. Right. Right. Well, you know, the the amount of time that I have spent around people of power, around people in office, has led me to believe that it is a pro and a con that these are people who are just like us. These are people with the same kinds of weaknesses that we have. It's like in how you are bought, bought, bought a crappy gossip magazine, and there's always a section in it that's stars. They're just like us. And then it shows paparazzi shots of stars like going to Starbucks or something or pumping gas into their car. Right. And it's supposed to be like, look, they're humans too. But it's funny because they're always like super unflattering photos of them at the grocery store, obviously annoyed that someone's taking pictures of them picking out produce. Yes, that's correct. I'm not all that concerned about what they look like when they shop so much as I am concerned by their morals and their behavior, which are subject to the same kind of weaknesses that the rest of us have. Okay. So anyway, if you are listening to this podcast on the radio, please be sure to subscribe at iTunes or at the KSL Podcast Center. Until next week, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics. Respect women.